This episode of Outdoor Explorer first aired on May 14, 2020. In the fall of 2020, it was submitted to the Alaska Professional Communicators 2020-2021 Communications Contest, where it won first place in the category of Special Programming Radio. First place state winners are automatically submitted to the National Federation of Press Women's Communications Contest. The award ceremony for the national contest is tomorrow, and although we know we have won an award for the show, we do not know how it placed. This was a complicated and time-consuming episode to host and produce. I recorded the entire episode on my smartphone, I edited hours of conversation on my phone, and then I submitted many segments to my producer, Eric Bork, to work his magic and put it together into the finished show. We thank the women pilots who were part of the show, who not only spoke honestly about discrimination, but also shared concerns common to all pilots, and as the contest judge remarked, provided an entertaining and often funny dialogue. The first segment of the show was recorded on the walk to the roadhouse in Talkeetna. You will hear Jamie Patterson Sims, Jody Harskamp, me, and Jody Oyan in that order. Yes, that's um, that. unfortunately when the word got out that all the airlines congregated together to help promote you know, women in aviation, the dudes figured out, oh, I can go meet with UPS, FedEx, Alaska, United, America, and Delta. So the word got out that that's where you go to get jobs. So, so I don't get how that happens. <laughs> like how the women just say dudes. Well, you can't, well, you, you can't exclude them. Well, like Chuck Why Yeager, you know, Chuck Yeager is a member of women in aviation. He's actually a huge supporter of women in aviation, which is hilarious. Um, Sean Tucker. Yeah, Sean Tucker. So they come, men can come, like if they're often the guest speakers or um, they'll, like Sean Tucker will come and talk about, you know, aerobatics and, and then we also get women to come talk too, but it's, it's just a, it's a, when men ask me, why does there have to be a special uh, yeah. thing just for women? I said, just because you asked the question means you need to go yes. sit in the back corner. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Maybe because for the first 70 years there was aviation, we weren't allowed to be commercial airline pilots. Right. So. Well, Hopefully. think about their little quiet birds, their QBs. Do you know about that? No, no. What is that? Wait, okay, so it's this, <laughs> it's this women, it's this men's only aviation group, and it's called the, called the Quiet Birds. Are you called <gasps> QBs? What? And they have the, oh yeah, no, I'm not kidding you. Oh so <laughs> they even have a little belt buckle. You can see it. You can see. I've seen, I've seen <laughs> That's it. That's their little sign to each other. <laughs> <laughs> and they call them the Quiet Birds, and nobody really. It's kind of underground, but all these old geese, all these. Um, more you know more mature men they're all <laughs> well i like how you go old oh, geezer, oh, good. And, yeah. oh. and then you change it <laughs> you can stick with old geezers i think but um yeah they're they're members of these quiet birds the qbs huh. and um yeah they have these me- yeah it is so that by the implication is that we're noisy birds yeah is that what it is? yeah well when there's no women birds? that have ever been they they so they're keeping it really underground Oh yeah, yeah. Old white men. Yeah, yeah. I have yet to met, meet any that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, trust me, I uh, I deal with this on a daily, if not oh, yeah. hourly basis, oh, yeah. where I actually was sitting around a campfire last year and Homer, with a bunch of people that were just camping, right? We all had to start this fire, and everybody, you know, it's Alaska. You just invite people over from all over the world, and this uh, somebody figures out what I do for a living, and this guy literally looks at me. He's like 64 year old white male, oh, looks at me and he says, 
do you feel like you got preferential treatment in hiring because you're a woman? And I looked at him and I go, no, I think it's because I can fly an airplane. And then <laughs> silence, <laughs> silence. And his two sons up, got up and went back to the tent. They're like, we're all done. And I was like, I'm going to hash this out with you, dude. Are you ready to lose this conversation? Are you yeah. ready to lose this debate? <laughs> if anything, I worked 10 times harder exactly. to get where, I'm go- where I am because yeah, I-, I had to deal with people like you who look at me and assume I do not know what I'm doing and I got preferential treatment hiring because I'm a woman. I go, if anything, I have to fly better, yep. I have to be smarter, I, I have yep. to do everything 10 times better just yep. so I can prove you wrong. Exactly. And he looked at me like I was crazy. He says, well, I'm an electrician and we only hire black people and women now. And I go, oh, really? Oh, How many electricians oh, do you have in your oh. union? 350. How many are women? Four. Yeah. How many oh, are black? My. Two. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so they're just taking over. Yeah. Right. Trust me, as a white male, you're not losing your privilege in society. Right. Do not worry about Jeez. it. Yep. They're so scared. Oh, well. I, I think I, I honestly, <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. But I honestly think that, um, that I'm hoping that that's the minority now because you do run into a lot of dudes now who are totally like, hey, you guys can take over. I'm done. Yeah, right, <laughs> you know? right. Or, hey, you yeah. deserve it. You're, yeah. you're way more qualified right. than I am, right? Exactly. Or, yeah, they readily agree women do a way better job than most things. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get where I am by, you know, sitting around and just... Uh, right. Yeah, it, it's hard. It's tough. I work, you know, I work seven days a week. I work 12-hour, 14-hour, 16-hour days. I'm at my hangar all the time. I, I mean, I have dedicated myself to my students, to my profession, and it is tough. Yeah, but you got preferential treatment. Right? Yeah. And that's the promise. I stand in the doorway and say goodbye to people, and they look at me, and they think that I have no idea what I'm doing because I got preferential treatment. And I'm like, are you kidding? I just feel sorry for people that think like that. I actually feel safer when there's a woman pilot. (laughs) Like, whoo, there's a woman up there. That means they worked 10 times harder to get where they are. That's right, exactly. Uh, But on the flip side of that, I will say... The support for female aviators, I think, especially in the last two years, among other female aviators, has been incredible. I have never experienced such an amazing community before in my life like I have with female aviators in the last two years. So, I don't know if you guys feel that as well. Absolutely. Do you you think that's something that's changed? Do you think it used to be more competitive? Yes. Okay. Like women were competing against each other, but now there's this, I feel it in sports. There's this shift of women being more supportive of each other now. Yes. I I never felt, uh, well, usually I was the only woman in every single class and every single thing I did. I was the only woman in my new hire class at Alaska. I was the only woman in my new hire class at SkyWest. So if anything, if you saw another woman, you're like, hi, (laughs) I'm Jody. You know, like, oh, there's another girl. You know, and it was like we'd embrace and we didn't even know each other. And the guys would be like, what are you guys doing? I'm like, yeah. it's just it's just so nice to see another. <laughs> so and I never felt like there was a competition and the commercial side of it. And then now with we have a lot more women. I mean, when I say a lot, like one percent more Yeah. Um, that. Yeah. You always wave at each other at the airport. You say hi to each other on the radio. You don't even know them. Yeah. You know, we hold each other up. Yeah. It's like the, it's it's like the secret society, but there's <laughs> they're not the QBs. There's some other secret society of women pilots, yes, right? Absolutely. There is that 99s. So I'm a I'm the scholarship chair for the Alaska oh, 99s. Okay. 
So this year we have three scholarships and we had 14 applicants. So their odds are pretty high that you're going to get a scholarship. Yeah. So, um, and we're just in the process now of picking our winner. Uh -huh. um, but these amazing stories, each each person has to write an essay. And I mean, it's just some fascinating backgrounds and, you know, it's such an honor to be the person that gets to call them and tell them that they won the scholarship yeah. and um, or tell them that they didn't win, but how to make their application better for the next year. Uh -huh. So it's my little, I won a scholarship from the 99s back in the 90s. Oh, wow. To finish my cool. um, instrument rating, my uh, commercial uh, multi-engine instrument rating. I ran out of money. And they gave me like 1500 bucks to finish my rating. And I'm like, so the least I can do is pay it back. This was in California, but mm -hmm. so for me to it, volunteer it, my time. My heart was one of the original 99 oh, women. 99 women. 99 women yeah. that became, that all got together and said, we had to form a secret society. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> We're going to call ourselves the 99s. Are you guys, did, did they make a little belt buckle for you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, knowing Amelia, she probably had something, uh, some sort of secret patch they had or yeah. whatever. So the 99 women um, just formed this organization to, to, again, lift each other up, learn different rules and regs for different states. You know, I mean, and now it's worldwide. Now uh -huh. it's just a worldwide thing. And there's the 99s, which is all female pilot organization. And then there's the women in aviation, which is more like commercial aviation, you know, professional. get pay, professional. Uh -huh. The 99s is still grassroots, people who own their own airplanes, recreational. Um, again, and it's to support each other. And okay. to support other women and their endeavors to learn how to fly. Yeah, yeah and um, for so female, low, like. <laughs> yeah, female captains in America, we have sixty thousand commercial airline pilots, and we're like less than a half percent for what? captains. I'm a unicorn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you know what I? One of the things I was reading last night was that the United States actually has one of the lower yeah. percentages of yeah, female yeah. pilots in. India. I think it was India. Yeah, yes. India has oh, the highest. Yeah, yeah. No yes, way. India yeah. has like twelve percent yeah. women what? pilots. Yes, oh, uh -huh. it's pathetic. Yeah. It's yeah. embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> We're really happy for them, but it's totally embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you get the numbers get dwindle and dwindle. You know, you go commercial aviation, and then you go. Just, you are listening to Outdoor Explorer on Alaska Public Media. I'm your host, Lisa Keller. We're going to take a short break, and when we return, we'll have more honest talk from Women Pilots of Alaska. The next segment of the show was recorded in the dining room of the Roadhouse. You will hear me, Jamie Patterson-Sims, Leanne Foley, Jody Oyan, and Jody Harskamp, in that order. <laughs> So um, I was looking at some um, statistics of women in flying, and I noticed that 13% of women stu or pilot students are women, yes. and that's like the highest number of all of you guys, 13%. Yeah, I've got a probably about, um, I'd say about a third of my students are women. A third? A third, and I, I actually, I cultivate that, I do, so I think it's really important, so yeah. So this is a nationwide number, and I did pull up something, I don't know how, this is from maybe the 99s actually, that they kind of estimated that maybe 27% of pilots in Alaska are women. That kind of goes in with your third of right. your students are. Right, right, yeah. So, is that true? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm asking the expert. <laughs> what um, you guys see. 
I mean, you said there's there's two of 14. Yeah, here in Talkeetna, there seems to be a lot of uh, female pilots, but I don't know if that's just uh, unique to Talkeetna or not. Right. And I would say in Alaska, we probably have a higher percentage. Um, where I work Copper Valley Air, and I was the only female pilot. However, they've had many, and the owner, Martin, is a phenomenal supporter of women in aviation. And um, so for him, he always really encourages, you know, and he's an instructor also, and he's taught a lot of women how to fly. I think you may know Martin. Bonnet. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, um, Right, and he also, when I started working Copper Valley, he was so incredibly considerate with me being a mother and um, was really willing to work with my schedule and basically let me pick my hours to what would be best for my family. And I feel that that's becoming um, much more of the norm, I guess, from my experience, where you see this shift. Like, you still have a lot of the older gentlemen who feel or, or a little surprised when you walk in the room and they say your pilot's here and they look past you waiting to see the guy walk through the room <laughs> and um where's the real pilot yeah like no that's very very funny yeah, but where's like, the real pilot where's the real pilot and i'm like i'm right here i've gotten that too from women I had, oh. a woman, I had a woman whisper to her girlfriend as she was getting my plane she's like i thought we were going to get a real pilot <gasps> I am so lucky that and it's crazy. Um, I'm really lucky that my name is Jamie, so it could be a male or female name. And, and yes, and so I remember one time I was uh, I had a um, a chief pilot of a, a certain uh, air taxi company called I called me up. He had gotten my resume, and he was called me and he left a message on my voicemail. Well answering machine way back when and he's like we're really excited we've got a ground school opening for you on on Monday this is gonna be perfect your credentials are awesome this is wonderful please give me a call back and I listened to it and I was so excited so 20 minutes later I called him back and he's like I said hi this is Jamie Patterson Sims and he says Jamie Jamie wait is it oh oh the ground school those are all but all those spots have been taken we do know we don't have any room available in that ground school. Yeah, but thank you for calling back. And what year was this? Uh, 1997. Wow. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> well, I showed up at Emirates. Okay, oh, well, Emirates Airlines, yeah. and because uh, back, <laughs> back in the day, uh, I applied, and on the application there was no check mark for male or female, and my name's Jody, right? So, and off I sent my resume. Oh no, sure enough, I get an email because of course the time difference, everything's done by email. Love for you to come in for an interview. Fantastic, fly me all the way to Dubai. I walk in, the guy goes, "Oh my God, there's been some terrible misunderstanding," <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, I'm not the one that's having a problem here." Right? Like, I'm from Berkeley. Like, there's been no reason for my, the door to be slammed in my face my entire life, right? And he was like, no, we don't, I've, there's been some terrible misunderstanding. We don't hire women. And I said, that doesn't, that's not my problem. <laughs> that's your problem, right? And he's like, and I love women. I'm married. I have kids. And I was like, dude, you're digging the hole even. I was like, I just, I'm, I, you know, he's French. But I love women. Oh, I have a wife. I have two daughters. And I was like, uh. and so they changed their 
policy, I think 2008, they started um, having female pilots, and they they sent me an email saying, would you reconsider coming over for an interview? And I said, absolutely not. But you know, I don't know if I'm strong enough to be the first female pilot like to work for a company like that, because everybody be watching your business, right? Like Joe Blow can crash an airplane, nobody's gonna care, but I like sneeze on the radio and they're like, oh see, she doesn't know what she's doing. She doesn't know how to make a radio call. And you're like, but Billy, Joe just crashed an airplane, nobody's talking about that. And they're like, oh, you just can't make a radio call, you're totally unqualified. And you're like, <laughs> so, I mean like, I've had people slam the door in my face and I'm like, wow. And I had, I went to, uh, went to when I was looking for a job, I went to a corporate aviation and I walked into that office and this is right after I had like 1200 hours, right? And I was just looking for an entry level job. And this guy looked at me and he goes, there is no way that I would let you fly my clients around because the wives wouldn't allow it. Yeah. And I looked right at him because I'm 20, at the time 25 years old. And you know, and I was, and I just looked right at him and I thought, what the hell did you just say to me? Right, are you just assuming that like, uh, what? You know, because again, they're all corporate gents, right? So. He said the wives wouldn't allow. They take one look at you, and they would. Oh. They wouldn't allow it. Right. So one of my first jobs in Alaska, Part 135, I went out to Bethel, and I was so excited. I bought a one-way ticket and went out to. Yeah, I wasn't one-way ticket to Bethel. That's, I was like, nope, I'm gonna do this. So I went out there, and I had a stack of resumes underneath my arm, and I was so excited. And I um, went to a couple. <laughs> And um, I went to, um, the second place that I went to, this guy looks at my resume and he's like, wow, you have some great qualifications. You are completely qualified for this position. You have all the Alaska time. You have all the time that you need. This is a perfect position for you. Then he stepped a couple paces back, looked me up and down, and he said, I'm sorry, but my wife would kill me if I hired you. And he gave me back my resume and said, have a nice day. Oh. And what year was that? That was 96, and I still know this gentleman, actually, <laughs> and his wife. <laughs> Do you think he would hire you now? Uh, yes. Now? Oh, yeah, 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 it's a lot different now. I mean, my my street cred in Alaska, you know, since I've been flying here since 95 is pretty high. But if you so. were a brand new female pilot, right. would he hire you? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay, so the um, whole yes. Is yeah, the attitude is definitely, yeah, yeah. They're, they're not knuckle dragging anymore, yeah. you know, because they no. need pilots. They need they qualified, need so experienced pilots. So this is a huge pilots. part of it is that there's a pilot, pilot well, shortage right, right now. Right, exactly. And you have to think about it. What's really scary is, is, this what's going to happen think about the 1940s during world war ii and the wasps how they were desperate yeah they stepped up so women pilots they hired women pilots because all the men were gone and then when the men came back all the women lost their jobs and so that's why i want recognition yeah it didn't get any recognition and so that's why i'm afraid is that is you know we need to make our inroads now while the going's good so that in case you know that does happen in the future where there's you know an economic downturn, a large economic downturn, that we'll have that time and we'll have that established, um, that women can fly all these big, huge airplanes and small airplanes or whatever they want to do, you know? So. Yeah, I mean, the, the Emirates guy, I said, um, I thought you needed pilots. So I said to him, I go, you're, you're hiring at gangbusters and you need qualified pilots. So it's not my problem if you have this weird rule that you can't hire female pilots. Like... I'm a pilot, I'm overqualified, and you're not gonna hire me because I have breasts. Okay, right. I feel sorry for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're like, then off I went. And they well, all expense paid trip to Dubai. <laughs> so, yeah. But it was crazy. It was the first time in my life I'd ever had like the door slammed in my face. Right. I'm like, 
I am. But it still exists. Yeah. I was uh, had a meeting one time. I had met Bob Reeve of Revolution, and um, I was told him how excited I was. I go, you know what? Someday I really want to fly with you. I just love your airplanes. I've been into Dutch Harbor, and it's so cool. And I just really. He looks at me and he goes, "Over my dead body, will ever hire a female pilot." And he died. Yeah. 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 So yeah. So I remember that conversation quite clearly. I just the women that paved the way before us because like we have a lot of old timers um, at Alaska Airlines. They've put up with some garbage. I mean, like I can't imagine getting in this industry. Well, back in 1976, right? Like I mean, imagine the. Well, I mean, just the comments of like you're taking jobs from men and you're like, oh, I'm the breadwinner. I'm providing for my family just like you are. Why is it that I am held to a different standard, right? And then just they put up with so much stuff. A lot of them couldn't have kids because there was no maternity leave policy or how dare you get take time off to, you know, raise a kid that didn't exist. And so a lot of those women never had kids because just wasn't an option. Um, yeah. And I'm just like, every time I meet somebody that's about ready to retire or has put 20, 30 years in the industry, I'm just like, thank you for making my life just a little bit easier. Because when I came in, it was a little bit more accepted. Again, I mean, Estelle was the only chick in almost all, in all my classes, of course. But um, now, I mean, it's funny. We just I just got a picture of our last class that started at Alaska Airlines, right? It's all dudes. You know, and the class before that, all dudes. Class before that, all dudes. And you're just like... So and, like, and also mostly white. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And if there's like somebody that has any sort of like brown, it's because they're Italian or, you know, something else. <laughs> well, they have money to, yeah, yeah. to trade. You have to. I mean, yeah. it's an extremely expensive profession to get into. I mean, the loan, the loan burden, the. Um, so is lo- being a lawyer well, going to college. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. right. Is it, it's yeah. comparable, it seems, like the numbers you But it's also, mean. it's also, you know, when you go to college or law school or medical school, you can get student loans. Right. A lot of the times when you're a pilot, or you're training to be a pilot, they think of additional training. training. Yeah. yeah, and it's more vocational training, and so you, it's really difficult to get loans for that. But they have loan programs for people who want to become welders and for for mechanics and stuff. So when I was going to school, I wasn't allowed to have any grants because I already had a four-year college degree, so they wouldn't give me any grants, but I could get student loans. Um, but again, like any of these things, you'd have to just say, this is what I want to do, and like if you want to be a vet, I mean, you're spending way more money. Uh, becoming a vet, a vet or a doctor or a lawyer or any of these other professions. Um, just the problem is, well, some people wash out, right? So you've invested $20,000 into your career and you wash out. But the same with med school. A lot of guys don't finish med school. They, they get to like the certain part and it gets super hard and I don't know, they go to something else. So, yeah, yeah. And for most pilots, like I always say, you can't get a job unless you have a four-year degree, because most of the major airlines, they won't take you unless you have all your flight ratings and also a four-year college degree on top of it. So, um, and they don't care what it's in, as long as you've got a four-year college degree. So that makes it even more expensive, because they want you to, so now there's like the combination, there's schools that do a four-year college degree in aviation. So you can get all your flight ratings and you do like flight safety or you get a degree in aviation accident you know, whatever. There's tons of different options, whether you can do anything. So that's killing two birds with one stone. So you're going to school, learn how to fly, and you're getting a four-year college degree. So UAA has that. Yes. Project, right? Now, you started your own business because you were a flight instructor with UAA? Yeah, I had um, gotten my master's degree, and I was a flight instructor, and um, I had a lot of experience flight instructing. Um, decades um, and it was 2013 and um, 
they decided that they no longer wanted my services, so my contract was not extended after um, December 30th. And um, so I had I had all these amazing ideas. I kept on saying, you know, if we do this, it'll really help the students. If we do this um, certain procedure or we um, implement this, it could really help the students. You know, they would progress faster. They'd be a lot happier. It would be great. I think it would be really great for the program. You know, and I was super dedicated. I was there on the weekends. I was there in the evenings for my students. Um, and um, they all just, uh, they were all, all the upper, um, all the upper management was, were all military males. And um, they just kept on knocking it down and all my ideas. And so I said, okay, well, so I took all my ideas and five months later I opened my flight school um, in 2014, May, June of 2014. And then 2016 named top 10 in the nation and then 2017 named her flight school is number one in the nation so uh -huh. super happy about yeah. that yeah, yeah. That, so yeah I know yeah, yeah yeah so you know it it helps I mean I've worked really super hard but um, it's been really gratifying to help as many people as I can mm -hmm. so it's been it's been good it's been especially good especially to be able to promote other women in yes. aviation yes I know that's the best yeah. I love to see women get their private pilot's licenses and go on and um, you know I've there's so many captains out there and so many first officers and so many airline pilots who I've trained who come back and say oh thank you Jamie so yeah it's really cool actually I just had you know four days ago two of my students came back and it said you know thank you so that's really cool yeah I love that yeah yeah you are listening to Outdoor Explorer on Alaska Public Media I'm your host Lisa Keller we're going to take a short break and when we return we'll have more honest talk from women pilots of Alaska you're listening to Outdoor Explorer on Alaska Public Media. Find the show anytime as a free podcast in the iTunes store or connect with us online at alaskapublic.org. You are listening to Outdoor Explorer on Alaska Public Media. I'm your host, Lisa Keller. The conversation continues at the Roadhouse in Talkeetna with pilots Jamie Patterson Sims, Leanne Foley, Jody Oyan, and Jody Harskamp. So I, I want to read this quote from Powder Magazine, that the article where I read about you. Did and you've seen that article of Powder yeah, Magazine? Yeah, yeah. It's really short. It's like three <laughs> It's very it's very short. Yeah. Um but it's about the women in Talkeetna. They oh, yeah. they profiled like five female pilots yeah. here. Um but I want to read this to you. It didn't print all the way out. I should have checked. I, I had actually written it down, so it'll be a little bit. But I want everybody's reaction to this because <laughs> this article was printed in Powder Magazine last summer in June. And so I'm reading it. And I'm like, oh, this is great. He's doing this article. It's a man doing this article about female pilots in Alaska. And he talks about, you know, how Alaska is full of surprises and, and, you know, talking about Denali and how great it is. To, I think he's coming back to Denali. And then he um, says, um, oh, he talks about the Denali Brewing Company uh, burger or whatever, you know. So this is what he says. So the last thing you might expect to see is a beautiful, fair-skinned woman in a blank... <laughs> Do I need to go any farther? <laughs> wait, 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 I just finished why? the quote. I know. I'm like, no, we're going to be finished. Not like yes. a confident, well, you know. Um, yes. Badass. He, yeah. He does say badass later on. <laughs> Um, but first he's like describing how much does she weigh? Exactly, and the not and the look. And the look, and so he says, beautiful, fair, fair-skinned woman in a black 
tank top and jeans sauntering across well, the tarmac. Oh, I was yeah. wondering if it was you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he couldn't put sexy in walk. in extra tough boots yeah. <laughs> uh, with a goddess like Aurora or not Aurora, Aura, a goddess like Aura, hair blowing in the breeze. He's in love with you. Uh, and so I was kind of shocked by that, that someone in two thousand a reporter in 2018 would choose the first description of a female pilot in Talkeetna to be this, to focus solely on her looks. Yeah. I don't know if I, I need to say any more about that or if any of you have comments on it. I mean, you know, I mean, I was shocked. And then he does say that there are badass women in Talkeetna, which I think should be the start of the article. Right. <laughs> so are there any comments? I don't know. On well, that? what's the clientele powder? Well, that, clientele. he is. He's writing for the dudes. Yeah. And um, it was a. Fair if it was a Maxim magazine, that's what people expect. Right. But if it was an AOPA, they would expect the full. How many hours does she have? Yeah. How many she find? They, their, their porn is like, what kind of engine is in there? Yeah. Right. Horsepower. I mean, so. past that, it was a really good article because it, it had a great description of all of you guys and talked about how badass you guys are. So that was really great. But I was still like, God, in 2018, we're still so focused on this. And it, it just embarrassing. It, it's kind of embarrassing. Yeah, you were focused in this article. So, like, what did that description catch your eye, or what? What are your thoughts? Is it the first time you've heard it? <laughs> no, I've read the article, but honestly, like being uh, uh, told that I had a goddess like Aura it was a compliment. <laughs> Are you that, pregnant at the time? No, I was not. <laughs> but yeah, it was a little off. But it's you know it was it was for that magazine, and and uh, I thought the comments that were written later in the article made up for the uh, slightly off-color intro. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like as women, we're taught to just like you got to brush the chip off your shoulder every now and then because otherwise that chip's gonna get too big to carry around. Yes. You just gotta like be like whatever. Exactly. Even though, like, oh, that one's sticking a little bit. Right, right. <laughs> no, and I would. Yeah. If I let it, everything bother me every time, okay. I, somebody has to say something to me almost every single time I go to work. I mean, somebody has some comment. Some, yeah. Somewhere, especially almost during the holidays every, when people fly one time a year. Yeah. Right. Almost every flight I get yeah. some comment. Yes. And if you let it bother if you, you let it's it bother you. You, yes, are carrying the burden of the world behind you and you let it go. You just let it go. Sexual harassment, on the other hand, I will fully face that head on and I will put people in their place if they're like borderline harassment. If it's just some off color thing like, you're too pretty to be a pilot, or do you really know how to fly this plane, you little girl? Or, you know, oh, just. Uh, yes. <laughs> There's more and more and more, but it's, as soon as it turns ugly, then that's when I'm like, yeah. I heard I overheard a passenger when I was walking past. Thankfully, he wasn't one of my passengers, but I was leading my passengers past him, and he he called me a liability. <gasps> oh. <laughs> He's like, "Whoa, that's a liability!" And he was looking right at me, and he was talking to his girlfriend or wife or whatever. Is that because of his insecurity with his relationship? Is that why he was a liability? <laughs> I don't know, but that that chip actually stayed on my shoulder. There's yeah. some that you just can't like, brush really? off. Yeah. How about how about we? If you want to talk about my flying skills, that's another thing. But like, don't be standing there judging me. 
I've had people, uh, mostly foreigners, mostly Asians, actually refuse to get on my airplane before. Oh, I, yes. That's another thing. Um, uh, well, just, I don't know, less than eight months ago, I had somebody that got on the airplane and said, I will not fly if there's a female pilot. And I said, well, there's the door, and you can get back off. And I feel really sorry for you because the next two flights that leave Anchorage are both captain, they're female captains. So you're going to be in Anchorage for a long time. And he just, I mean, he was having like a physical reaction. He was like shaking. Like he clearly had some baggage going on from something else. But I'm like, I just, you just say, you know what? I'm not dealing with you. You can go off and get another airplane. That's, if you've got so much baggage, you can't take it, then well, move that on. Was the other implication in this intro too was the word fair skinned. Right, right. And I know Alaska Airlines is making this big push for African-American female pilots. Right. Because we um, have like two. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But also kind of that implication that, you know, beautiful and fair-skinned and that there's not room. I mean, if we talk about how few uh, female pilots there are, we can even talk about how few... Female uh, minority pilots. Exactly, women of color are flying. So that's another issue. And like how many... Have you had a student of color or a female student of color? Um, I've had some Native students, but not a female student of color. Oh. Just um, I, but I have had um, numerous uh, Native Alaskan students. Oh. They've been great, all of them. Um, I, I carefully choose who my students are, who I'm going to be spending time with. I mean, that's a lot of time to spend some, you know, close to somebody, shoulder to shoulder, in an airplane. And they need to be listening. They need to be competent. They need to be respectful. Both of us need to be, and it's really important. Just safety of flight is critical. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, on the flip side, I've also had the experience. So oh, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> this is how I am in yeah, concert. Yeah. <laughs> right this is what I'm accepting. You're gonna be a rock star. <laughs> I am rocking it so hard. <laughs> um, so I think we've all experienced the comments, and yes, some of them are. Um, definitely like those chips stick and and other very humorous like I would fly out to pick miners up at strips and these are men who are out in mining strip and they've not seen anybody but you know five other burly stinky men in camp for the summer and so you know I show up and they'd be like oh wow this is nice to see so you know <laughs> right like because I don't have a beard and a huge belly you know like <laughs> And that all I can do is laugh. You know, yeah. I'm not going to take that to heart. Um, I think we can recognize exactly, exactly. Um, but also with the passengers, uh, most most of the time they were really thrilled to be with a female pilot. Mm -hmm. And at Copper Valley, we get people from all over the world that we're doing whether we're doing charter flights to take them out fishing or hunting or floating or backpacking, um, or to just do a flight sea tour. Uh, really diverse clientele from like the elderly couple who drove their RV up from Iowa and um, to you know one of my favorite passengers was this young woman from Israel and she wants to do nothing more in life than fly and so from the moment she found out that I was going to be her pilot she was my new best friend <laughs> she didn't stop asking questions from the time we got into the airplane until we landed and she gave me the biggest hug and was just like, I'm doing this, thank you. You know, you've given me hope. And there were so many little girls that I got to encounter. And that's what's amazing is just seeing somebody 
and it's not necessary, you know, and we come like the beautiful thing about this gathering today is we're all very different with what we're doing and how we got here. This is my second career and, um, and I'm a mom like everybody else and it's possible. So I think that's the coolest thing is inspiring those young girls to get out there and do it in any route you take, you can get there. So I feel like as uh, an air tour pilot, which our air taxi becomes later on in the summer, we're probably the most visible aviator that people are going to fly with because, you know, people, we have a letter from the FAA saying that we can put people in the co-pilot seat um, in the turbine otter so we can carry 10 passengers. And so we have this fabulous dimension where we can interact with someone very closely in that co-pilot seat. And, uh, and all the time, like, you know, like you get those negative comments, but that's just a tiny fraction of yes. compared to the positive comments that people give and like you know wives and little girls who are normally like destined to sit in the you know like the aft cabin are like fighting over the pilot seat right. now the co-pilot seat now I get the pilot seat <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and there's nothing there's nothing I love more than seeing this little girl in my co-pilot seat and she's just watching me like fly my little turbine around and she's just her face is a glow with like delight I love that or a wife or something like that you know it's, it's really wonderful feeling and those far like there's way more of those and there's the negative yes. comments right. and I, think, um, I think also some of the more memorable flights are with elderly women who didn't have the opportunity who embrace you at the end and are just they thank you you know for doing this and uh, yeah so for every negative comment there's usually a a woman you know behind their husband this is classic so they get on the airplane and the dude has something just stupid to say because again they don't know what to say they see me and they go what and this, so they're just garbage comes out of their mouth, right? And then their wife sit behind them going, well, we're probably going to get kicked off this airplane. Thanks a lot, you know. <laughs> or you're going to get kicked off. And I say, girl, I'm just going to move you up to first class and you can have your husband sit and coach. No, but for every um, you know, negative comment, there's usually a, like, a, a person that's over 70 that will get on my airplane and they are just like high-fiving me, hugs, selfies, you know, girl, when I was your age, I wasn't allowed to do that. And I'm, and you know, they're just so proud of me and they're so proud of, you know, like that I'm out there doing it. Um, and then also, yeah, the like little girls. So I got off the airplane the other day. This is just on my last flight. Um, and I'm going down the escalator and this like 12 year old girls behind me is like, excuse me. And I turn around, I'm like, yeah, she's like, can I take a picture with you? And I was like, Oh my god, I don't have any makeup on. Yes, of course. <laughs> well, let me put some lipstick on. <laughs> you gonna put this on Facebook? Uh, <laughs> and she was like, I really, I just always, I've never really met a female pilot before, and I've always thought about flying, and you know, like they're just in awe. And I'm like, I wear glitter when I go to work. Like I am all done. There's no, there is no reason why you cannot be a girl and be a girl, right? Like there's no nothing in my manual that says I can't wear glitter. <laughs> <laughs> I already got the braid on my hat, so I got my own here. But I, I mean, I'm covered head to toe and glitter. I spray myself down with glitter. And uh, when I get on the airplane, like the like the eight year old little girls that come on, they're like, oh, she has she has glitter on her. And I go, I, I spray myself down with glitter. It makes the jet go faster. And they're like, really? I'm like, yes. And I have this glitter, and it's called unicorn snot. And, and I always say, do you want some? And I put it on their lip. It literally says unicorn snot on it because like, like yeah. <laughs> And I can't, 
I carry it in my flight bag and I like put a little on their cheeks and they are just like, you can be a girl and be a girl girl and fly. I'm like, yes, yes, you can have your toenails painted and you can wear mascara and wear glitter and still fly an airplane. It's amazing. <laughs> Um, I don't know how many of you had this opportunity, but my first flight instructor was a female pilot. And her name was Mary Rose, and she rocked stilettos. There were times where she would come. I wear two and a half inch heels. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're, I'm you're five eleven when I'm <laughs> But she would show up in a dress and stilettos. She'd yeah. kick her stilettos off. We'd get in the plane. She'd give me the lesson. And the thing, I, she was just this really incredible, hard-charging, strong woman that when she walked from the airplane, she was this lady. And she was a fantastic first instructor for me. Yeah. I wear heels because it's nice. They, the heel goes under the rudder pedal, and I just roll my foot forward, and then I can hit the brakes. So they just kind of hook underneath there, and my two and a half inch heels, and people go, you fly on those? I'm like, it's so easy. It makes it easier. <laughs> Like then I can saunter. What is the word you use? Saunter. Yeah, saunter. saunter yeah. And, and through the, with your the airport. Aura, like, with, with my aura, like with my glitter <laughs> all over me. I wonder yeah. what he would think of me. Yeah. <laughs> but I do wear my extra tough so many. <laughs> I fly in ski boots sometimes. <laughs> not not for the 135 operation, but I fly my pacer in ski boots sometimes. <laughs> okay, <'cause> it, <laughs> that's awesome. Because it, it's cold too, right? Yeah. Then yeah. you jump out and your ski boots are warm. You don't have to change your shoes in the deep snow while you're trying yeah. to go backcountry skiing. So awesome. Yeah. Okay, so that's an adventure in with your skiing. So, I mean, yeah, with your I'm so flying you fly my personal plane. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like um, driving to the backcountry because uh -huh. here in Talkeetna, you really can't access the mountains right. without flying the airplane to the, the backcountry yeah. skiing. Yeah, nice. What have have any of you ever? Well, not you because you have a plane, but um, there's somebody. There's a dude I know in Anchorage who takes his fat bike out with his with his wife, and they fly into I don't know where they're flying to do it, but. Have you ever taken your fat bike out to, to fat bike in the backcountry? <laughs> We've done mountain bikes, but more often it's the fishing poles, pack rafts, um, and a lot of, we do ski flying also. So in the winter, our airplane goes on skis, and so we can access some really cool skiing areas. Um, we've gone out ice skating to remote lakes with our son, vet snowball flights in front of glaciers. Um, and in the summer, we're on floats. And so that opens up a tremendous amount of opportunity as far as, you know, just fishing, pack rafting, camping, hiking. So, um, but mountain biking is a little trickier because, uh, well, for me, because I like maintain trails when I mountain bike. <laughs> yeah, to, if you're, if you're uh, you know, bushwhacking in the bush with your, to get a bike trail, then, yeah. unless you're flying out to something that's like an actual trail, that'd be right. difficult. Yeah. Right. And I don't, I mean, I should probably buy a plane, but I usually just... You should just... definitely buy a plane. Why don't you have one? <laughs> I know. I don't have an airplane. I'm one of the weird what? Alaska Airlines pilots. Get one. I just... Well, the cool part is I just pay people to fly me out and drop me off, and then I float out. And you don't have to worry about the plane. And I don't ground. have to <laughs> store it, maintain it. I don't have to do anything. And yeah. yeah. They say that er, what airplane ownership is when you buy a plane, it's the, both the, um, the day you buy it is both the happiest and saddest day of your life. Yeah, yeah, is right. that what they say? <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. airplanes don't depreciate like boats. Like yeah. if you maintain your airplane, it's yeah. actually for me kind of a savings account of sorts. I mean, not to say that I don't pour lots of money into it, um, but 
Um, and it's just such a wonderful vehicle to take the family and go to the wildest, you most amazing places and, and take your kids. Husband, so you know you can what? take your kids to the most, it's like car camping, but a really cool <laughs> car. <laughs> a sky wagon. <laughs> you know, it's funny, the Beaver's a really slow airplane and the passengers notice it. And they're always like, they're always in there and they're like, well, how fast are we going right now? And I was like, well, <clears throat> yep. <laughs> And they're like, wow, I can drive faster this. And I was like, you know, this plane was built for a couple of things. One of them was to fit a lot of stuff inside of it, including 55-gallon fuel drums. Um, another one was to take off and land in short distances. But speed was not one of them. They, <laughs> the Canadian engineers famously quipped when the airplane was built that it just needed to be faster than a dog sled. <laughs> Not any of our Iditarod dogs. It's like the big old Malamutes, right? Right. Well, and a lot of people, this is their first time they come to Alaska. It's their first time probably on a small airplane because they fly a jet all the way up here and then they show up and they want to do a tour of Denali and they're like, oh, we're going in that? You know, that's probably, you probably get a lot of that, like, that's what we're going in? And you're like, yep, that's what we're going in, you know? Right. So they're not expecting. Do you have a lot of just like people freaking out and like, I'm not getting in it? Um, usually people are fairly nervous because there's this myth that all Alaskan aviators are these sort of, um, you know, like, yeah, that, that we're all dangerous and we're, we're daring. There's lots of bravado in what we're doing. But really, the modern day aviator has very little to do with the aviators of old that crashed, say, 26 planes. I mean, I feel like, okay, we have better technology. We have better aircraft. We have better information. But we're also more cognizant of target risk. Like, we... I feel like as modern day aviators are more, you know, like pay a lot more attention to that risk versus reward, um, you know, balance. And my, when I think about my, the flying I do, which, you know, like I fly around glaciers and stuff like that and jagged mountains and things like that, people think it's really dangerous, but no, it's not. You know, it's just, it's basically like I want to operate at a threshold of boldness that gets the job done without breaking anything. There's no, what is it, there's uh, old pilots and bold pilots, but there's, there's no, no old, bold pilots. Right, right. <laughs> and I feel the attitude has changed significantly yeah. as far as the operators. Um, there's not that push that there used to be to get the job done. Um, I know with my boss, he he left it up to the pilots completely. He said he would never question our decisions when it came to weather, when it came to passengers. Um, or where we are going. If we were not comfortable, he was not going to question our decision. And I feel that's a very different attitude than what it used to be. Like you didn't get paid unless you went to the destination. Right. Right? So I mean, there was that. Do you, do you uh, I don't, maybe Jamie does too. I don't know. Do you guys have any 9 11 stories? Like what happened? Like, I mean, that was a big deal up here when 9 11, you're too young, but. Uh, <laughs> no, I, when I, I was, happened, uh, I mean, I was a flight instructor. Yeah, because like hunters were dropped off. Yeah, and nobody came back for them. Yeah. Right? And they were like. So I, I hired a Harvey's flying service at a Kodiak to fly me out in a Widgeon because I always wanted to ride a Widgeon. Anyway, and uh, I said, have you ever not made it back to pick up any hunters, like for weather? And he goes, the only time I never made it back was September 11th. And yeah. he goes, I came back six days later and those guys just thought it was the weather. Like, oh man, oh. couldn't come out and get us for the weather. He's like, no, I got, I got some terrible news, oh, right? Because they were so cut off and nice. remote. And when you get dropped off in a remote area, I mean, the briefing is, this is before sat phones, right? The briefing right. is, 
So I'm, I'm planning on coming back and getting you on the 12th, but uh, it might be the 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th, uh-huh. <laughs> like especially if it's Alaska, right? Yeah. And we didn't have a sat phone when I got dropped out on Chuyak Island. He was like, you guys want me a sat phone? I said, no, I don't have a sat phone. He goes, oh, you're kicking it old school. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I might be back in five days. I'm like, oh, God, okay. <laughs> but that was the only other time he's never made it. And I was a flight instructor during September 11th, so I showed up. You know, I mean, I watched the whole thing happen on the news. And, and then, then a lot of those guys had just come out of flight school, right? And yes. They had been like. They were, yeah, I'm, I can't remember the. Of, I can't remember the details, but they would kind of weaseled their way into the flight schools or something? Yeah, they well, they had gotten, like, some, some of them had, I think, um, like, student pilot visas, like, mm-hmm. being able to come right. and take yeah, lessons. Yeah. They had paid all their money and everything yeah. and learn how to fly. And or the Saudi. They didn't really Arabia. want to learn how to land, but they, the <laughs> they wanted to learn how to fly. <laughs> um, so, but I remember showing up to the flight school, and we were all grounded for three, four days. We couldn't even taxi an airplane around. Like, there was no movement of airplanes on the ground, period. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was very frightening. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, out here, you know, you got dropped off. And then I guess if you're out there waiting for somebody to pick you up, you just assume the weather was bad where the airplane was, yeah, you know. I, I guess you're so. just prepared for that when that. you get yeah. dropped off on the bush. Yeah. Um, any close calls anybody wants to talk about? <laughs> no? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's like a thing, like you guys don't talk about that. So, so uh, when I first got my airplane, my, my pacer, um, my tailwheel pacer. I was so proud of it and I was so excited. And it was October and it was just like this, it was about a week after I'd bought it. And um, uh, I didn't really know how to land on gravel bars, but I decided I was going to just figure it out. <laughs> and so like, I had a little training. <laughs> you know, this is so, this, I just want to be clear, this is not a work airplane. This is a personal airplane. And um, so I just started, I just took off in my skinny jeans from Talkeetna. It was October and it was just drizzly and and it was just like a perfect uh, carburetor icing day. It was like high humidity, it was like a cold drizzle, there was no one else was out flying. And uh, so I took off and I, I went up the river and I landed on a gravel bar and I was like, I am a bush pilot. <laughs> I was so excited. I got out and did a little dance in my jeans and I, I collected a rock <laughs> and I like, and then I took off and I went down and I landed on another one. I was like, I, I am, I've got this, you know, like this is awesome. And then I just kept going and went past town down the river this time. So I'd gone up the river and I, I flew right past town and went down the river and I was about three miles south of town. And I was kind of throttled back for a while, looking at this sandbar, like, oh, I don't know about this sandbar, you know, like, going to try and land on it. And I was like, this is so fun. This is so fun. And then all of a sudden, the engine quit. And I was like, no, I was just like, oh, no. What had happened was I was throttled back, and I hadn't put in the carburetor heat. And so the engine kind of stumbled. And then, so it didn't just quit. It kind of stumbled. And uh, so I slammed in the carburetor heat, and what that did is it sent a bunch of water to the cylinders instead of a fuel-air mixture. And uh, the engine just quit after that, like no restart. And uh, a flight instructor friend of mine had told me that it usually takes the average person about 20 seconds to respond to an emergency. And before this even, I had figured that, you know, if I was going to be doing this stuff, I wasn't going to have 20 seconds. And I didn't. It was going to be about 20 seconds from that engine failure to touchdown. And I was like, guess I'm landing on that, <laughs> that sandbar. So, you know, like... When you have an emergency checklist, it's good to internalize it. Um, so it should just be a flow and an automatic. And number one on the checklist is pick your spot. I picked my spot. It was a sandbar. I was going to have to touch on with the tailwind, but that's all I could do. 
And number two is turn towards the spot, turn toward it. Number three is try and figure out what went wrong. Well, this carburetor ice is like, can I restart it? I tried to restart, no restart possible. Number four is shut down the engine. So I'm, I'm gliding. And it's amazing how loud planes are when they glide. <laughs> I, I'm gl yeah, I'm gliding and I turn final for the sandbar. I'm like, I'm gonna make it to the sandbar. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it to the sandbar. And, and I touched down on the sandbar and I, I came to a stop and I, I just sat there for a moment. And then I, uh, I called my friend who actually owned the airplane with me. And I, I'm like, so Trent, I was like, um, I'm on a gravel bar about three miles south of town and uh, the engine just quit. And he's like, well, what is it? It's this carburetor ice. And uh, he's like, well, this is sound really funny, but what are you wearing? And I was like, I'm in my skinny jeans. Why are you asking me? <laughs> he's like, well, just take off your jacket and like plug it in, you know, all the holes in the cowling and melt the, the rest of the ice out. And so I did. And I sat there shivering in the plane for a while. And, I, and it was just, you know, like just listening to the wind blow on the sandbar and then uh, took it out, fired the plane up, ran great, turned back into the wind because I landed with a tailwind so I didn't have to taxi anywhere and nice. took off and flew like a 3,000 foot approach to, <laughs> to, to the <laughs> runway. <laughs> and I never made that mistake again though. That was a dumb mistake, you know. Carburetor heat's a really easy thing to uh, put on before you, there's carburetor ice. So anyway, that was my close call. Good on you. When I was a flight instructor, I when we solo a student, we sign them off, you know, and you take them out and you make sure they can do all their stall training and they can recover from anything. And I remember, um, so I worked for, I had, um, I worked for Air China and I had um, these Chinese students and they were just all lovely, super smart, super great kids. I call them kids. They were like my age. Um, and I remember I was going to solo this guy. And so what you do as a flight instructor, you go around the pattern with him. You do a couple landings. And you don't really tell your students when you're going to solo them because you don't want to get their hopes up. Because they'll be like, oh, I didn't get a solo. So we, I said, okay, after this landing, I said, pull over and let me out. And he's like, what? He's, I'm going to solo? And I'm like, you're going to solo. And then I've already filled out their logbook. And I let him go. And off he goes. And, <laughs> and he comes around. And I'm standing there. And I'm like, yes. And he goes, he lands and he goes off the runway and four wheels it. And then he goes on the other runway because there's parallel runways. He goes on the other runway, guns it and takes off again. And I'm like, and I'm standing there like this, like, what just happened? What just happened? And, he, and he's like, oh, we cliff it, take off. Uh, cliff, and he's talking on the radio. <laughs> it's the sweet, I mean, he's like, poor kid. I'll never forget this kid. So then he did two more landings. He didn't even pull over. And then he, get, then he lands on his third one to get out and pick me up and I was like you didn't think that like maybe when you ran off the runway <laughs> and then like got on the other you weren't cleared for takeoff on the other runway you actually like violated like I don't know how many FARs but you <laughs> like the tower was like okay you're clear to land any runway just any runway actually you know what Wait, the airport is closed we're just gonna <laughs> like the guys on the radio because like, there's other people in the pattern and they're like everybody needs to go somewhere else to the sky is finished and he was just like, I didn't know what to do when I went off the runway, so I just kept going. And I'm like, well, okay, you didn't flip the airplane. Good on you. He kept all the weight off the front because he was in a tricycle gear. But I was like, he just went on the other one. And as a flight instructor, you're standing there going, this is not happening to me. This is so not happening to me, right? Like, Yes, because they're flying on your license. when you saw, And I was like, oh, oh, my whole airline career is over. Like, I'm just watching this kid. But he actually, I can't believe he didn't hurt the airplane. He didn't flip the airplane, not a nick in the prop. I couldn't believe it. I mean, it wasn't like it was smooth between both runways. It was like... <laughs>
So close call for one of my students, yes. And he missed the lights. And he missed everything. I couldn't believe it. I was like, you are the luckiest guy on the planet because you didn't break anything or hurt anything or hurt yourself. You know, and then... He where he flies a seven forty seven for China, yeah. <laughs> yes, they left me and went to fly seven forty sevens. I had to go fly small airplanes around for six thousand hours before I was allowed to touch a jet. But um, and then close calls for me when I was a student. No, I mean just some small stuff, some small lights and stuff. But and then even when I was in the, you know, I'd be like, oh. Oh, we got a fuel bypass light? Okay, right. You know, and, oh, I got a shutdown engine. But, um, and then uh, you know, nothing like self-imposed or, you know. But, I mean, we always, it's not like every flight is super smooth sailing, you know. I'm, we're, we're up against a lot of, um, like for me, I'm up against the limitations of the airplane. Like I have my own personal limitations. And then there's Boeing's limitations. And then there's Alaska Airlines' limitations. And we take the more restrictive of all three. So just because the company says I can go and I get there and I'm like, Ma, those are past my personal limitations, which is I'm just not going to do it, you know. And we fly to a couple airports in Alaska, which, um, like, for instance, we're Anchorage-based, so we don't allow any of the other bases to fly up in the Arctic, and there's a very good reason for that, because it takes a different skill set to be able to navigate Kodiak, ADAC, you know, a lot of these other airports that have um, just a lot of stuff going on, especially in the winter. So Anchorage-based pilots are the only ones that fly around the state of Alaska, and we are thrown curveballs all the time, everywhere, especially Kodiak, especially ADAC. So, um, and you take your 13 years of experience of flying around the Arctic and you make good decisions based on your experience and also the limitations that are set up by the airplane manufacturer as well as the company you're working for. And back to your comment of like, you know, your boss says, I'm not going to ask you to push your personal limitations. And um, Alaska Airlines would never ask me to push my, the limitations of anything. If it's unsafe, then we're not going. It's a story. And I always say, if it's not a Boeing, it's not going. <laughs> That's my... <laughs> it ain't Boeing, it ain't going. Um, but we, we, uh, we can't exceed any of those limitations at all, period. Or we're violating um, the airplane certification. So. Thanks to my guests, Jody Harskamp, Jamie Patterson-Sims, Leanne Folly, and Jody Oyan for their honesty and the challenges that women pilots face. I'm especially grateful to Jody Oyan for suggesting the story and flying me to Talkeetna as part of the adventure. Check out the Outdoor Explorer page on alaskapublic.org to find pictures of my guest and links to the Alaska 99's AOPA, Women in Aviation, Leanne Folly's AOPA blog, the Powder Magazine article on Leanne, a short film called Denali's Raven about Leanne, and Jamie Patterson Sims Flight School, Skytrek Alaska Flight Training. My name is Lisa Keller, and from all of our hosts here at Outdoor Explorer, thanks for listening, and we'll see you outside. Outdoor Explorer is a production of KSKA Public Radio in Anchorage, Alaska. Theme music is by Portugal, The Man. Views expressed are those of the participants and do not reflect the station or its underwriters. You can find Outdoor Explorer on Facebook and in your favorite podcast app. To see what's coming up on Outdoor Explorer and add your voice to the conversation, go to our website at alaskapublic.org. Life Informed. This is Alaska Public Media.